Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. So, uh, Happy New Year. I hope it was good. I hope you had a great holiday. You know, I, I've been asking people uh, for, for several days, how was your New Year's? And I, I'm getting this impression that people just wanted to stay home. <laughs> as, 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 was that your, your experience? You just stayed home. And I asked Donna a couple days before New Year's Eve, I said, what do you, what do you want to do? And she said, uh, nothing. <laughs> and maybe that's indicative of our lives. That when we have an opportunity to just not do anything, that might be what we wanted to do. And that's what we did at our house. So I just want to say Happy New Year, and I'm glad it's all over. <laughs> now listen, I love Christmas, and I love the holidays, and I love all that. Are you with me? You love all that stuff. But when it's over, are you glad that it's, all right, let's get back to some normalcy. If for nothing else, I just want all of the crappy food out of my house. We have eaten like slobs. For the last six weeks. And I'll tell you this. I, I, don't, I don't need to have a lot of sweet stuff around me. I'm diabetic. I don't need to have, you know, 19 different kinds of cake and 14 different kinds of cookies. And, but when it's there, it's there, right? And I've got to, I'm a, I feel like I'm a strong-willed person. But if, if there's chocolate-covered Oreos <laughs> in the house, it's hard for me to let go of them. Are you with me? Uh, so I, I said that to say this. The new year is a great time to, to just, I'm a creature of habit. I, I like to do the same thing on Monday, this Monday that I did last Monday. I, and I just, I'm a habitual person. I, I just like normalcy and I like structure. There's one person in my tribe, I guess, in the room. I, I, I just, I, I, I like for my days to be scheduled and I like, I, I just, I, I'm just glad when everything gets back to normal. So with that in mind, New Year's is a great time for us to do two things, to look back and to look forward. I bet if I were to take a poll today, we could look back at some things that we would change in 2019, some decisions that you made that maybe you would not make again. And maybe today is a great time to not just look back, but to look forward. And how is 2020 going to be different than 2019? What, how is my life going to look differently 12 months from now than it looks this morning? And if that's true for you personally, that's true for us as a church. It's, it's a great time for us to look back and say, what do we do well in 2019? And what could we do differently in 2020? And, and so most churches up and down this street in our community and across this country today are starting brand new series that help define their mission and vision for the coming year. So we are not unique in that, in that regard. We are probably one of the only ones that aren't calling it 2020 vision. I just couldn't jump on that bandwagon. And so I jumped on another bandwagon. And uh, I, honestly, I, I didn't do this because it's a sappy TV show, and it is sappy. Um, it really is. Anybody watch This Is Us? L listen, no, I'm not hating you because I, I, I watched it until I lost Netflix. And, and so it, I was there. Um, 
But I want us to take these four weeks. And, and I want us to look at who God has called Life Point to be. And not, not every other church in the community. Who God's called us to be and, and what, what might be looking at us in the coming, in the coming year. Um, I, I want to apologize for this. Uh, Rachel's going to throw our logo up on the screen. She didn't know that until I just said that. But watch how good she is. See? Isn't she awesome? There's those three words that are underneath our logo that uh, I, I feel very passionately about. And we'll spend some time over the next three weeks talking about those three words, connect, grow, and serve. Because I genuinely believe that that's what God has called us to do and to be here at LifePoint. To connect with each other, connect with God. Connect with our community, connect with those who are far from God. To grow into the image of Christ. To grow closer to each other and to our Heavenly Father. And to serve our church, our community, and our world. I, I believe that as a church, that's who God has called us to be. And, and none of that has changed. Um, perhaps, uh, maybe you'll hear some things over the next few weeks that, that you didn't know about our church. Or you'll hear some things that, that you didn't know or that you didn't uh, fully understand about our church. But, but today, I, I just kind of want to share from my heart some things. About some things that God is doing in my life. And by extension, we'll do in our church. You know, it's said that over a period of time, a church will take on the personality of its lead pastor. And for that, I apologize. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to share some stuff from my heart. Um, I want to read to you a passage of scripture that I genuinely believe you're going to hear a lot of this year. Because... Maybe this will make sense to you. You know how sometimes you're reading scripture or hearing scripture or you're hearing a sermon and a passage of scripture. Or you're, you're flipping through Facebook and somebody throws a meme up there with a passage of scripture and it just jumps out and grabs your heart. Um, that's what this scripture has done for me. So what I want to do is I want, I want to read it to you. And then I want us to go back and I want us to talk about it a little bit. And then we're going to share how, how that might look for our church over the next coming 12 months. Okay, is that cool? All right, so the passage of Scripture is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It's, a, it's in your bulletin. It'll be on the screen behind me. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to go back and talk about it a little bit. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says these words. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into his glorious image. So let's, let's break it apart a little bit. If, if you read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, what you're going to hear is the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, writing to this church in the city of Corinth, and he's telling them that there's this veil that exists. This veil that exists on people who are far from God, who people have yet to receive Christ as their living Lord. And he says, but you have had that veil removed. And so as he's telling them that, he is by extension telling you and I that. That if you're in this room today and you understand Christ as Savior of your world and Savior of your life and rescue of your soul and Redeemer of your past and your sin, then that veil that has separated you from the revelation of who God is has been removed. And that gives you an opportunity to do these other two things. We kept, let's read on that have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. 
You and I have the capacity, because of the work of Christ and the veil removed from our faces, to see the glory of the Lord. And if you haven't read your Old Testament, you don't understand what a big deal that is. See, before this veil was taken away from us, through the work of Christ, you and I couldn't see the glory of the Lord. Humanity couldn't experience the glory of the Lord like you can now. So not only can we see and experience the glory of the Lord, we can also reflect and share the glory of the Lord. What would it be like if a church just like ours was about the business of doing just those two things, to experience and see the glory of the Lord, and then to, in turn, reflect it and share it with our world? What kind of church would we have? If that was our primary concern, to see and experience the glory of the Lord, not the greatest sermon, not the greatest song, not the coolest background, all those things are important, aren't they? But what if our primary concern was to see and experience the glory of the Lord and then in turn reflect it and share it? He goes on to say, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him. What kind of church would we have if all of us collectively and all of us individually, at the end of 2020, were more like Jesus? Uh, let's take a, a straw poll, shall we? How many of you would say that you could stand to be slightly more like Jesus? Almost 100%. I, I'm going to tell you that I want to be like Jesus. I want to love like Jesus loved, and I want to serve like Jesus served, and I want to, to do the things that Jesus did on this planet. And then he goes on to say, as we are changed into his glorious image. So I, I imagine you're going to hear this passage of scripture a great deal over the next 12 months. Because I genuinely, genuinely believe, and I've used that phrase a couple of times today, I'm going to try not to use it anymore. But I really do believe that that's just a simple way of saying genuinely believe, isn't it? I really do believe that, that God has spoken this passage of Scripture, maybe even prophetically, into our house, to our church. So let's, let's just think about that for a minute. As a church, as, as a body, and as individuals, we're going to see and experience the glory of the Lord. We're going to share it and reflect it to a world that so desperately needs to know who Jesus is. In the meantime, we're going to be growing more and more like him until that day we see his face. Yes. Anybody want to sign up for that? Yes. Me too. So I'm, I'm going to talk to you just for a moment about how we might do that at our church. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, today you're not going to see, hear any great revelations about things that's going to happen in our church in 2020. Not today. Today I want you to just to see the, the fabric of which our church is woven. Uh, some of you are, uh, start a growth track today. And, and that's kind of what you're seeing. But I, I want you to hear this from Dwayne. Uh, because God is doing a work in your pastor's heart. You may or may not recognize that. Uh, and this past year... Sometimes I feel like 
Jeremiah talked about the potter's wheel. And, and I'm learning that the potter's wheel can be a very painful process. But in the, uh, in the potter's wheel, what, what God does is he strips away those things in us that don't belong. Been there? Where God takes away attitudes and actions that, that don't bring him glory. And sometimes that can be a painful process. And he, he's teaching me in a very unique way, I believe. What that looks like. So here's the first thing you might want to write down. That in 2020 at LifePoint, the first thing that we're going, and this is, again, not revelatory in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Is that Christ must be central. That Christ must be the central underlying motivation for everything that we see and do. And I'm going to tell you, and and I've always believed that. But God showed me in in a very powerful way. And I tried to illustrate it to you with this jar a few months ago. I, I, for years, I had taught people that in order for your life to be right, you, you had this list of priorities in your life. It was God and family, church, and all, all those other checklists that you do. And now, I'm not telling you God talks to everybody like he talks to me. But I'm just going to tell you how you talk to me. Is that cool? Um, God was just like, Dwayne, I, I really wish you'd stop doing that. And I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm telling them to put you first. He said, I, I get that, but, but, but stop doing it like you're doing it. And I said, why? God, why would you want me not to tell them to put them first on their priority list? He, he said, because it doesn't work. He said, every one of those people has tried to do that, and it doesn't work. I said, well... You're going to have to help me understand. And he showed me this right here. And I've seen this silly little illustration done to illustrate a lot of different things. Time management, which is a farce, by the way. How many know you can't manage time? You've got 24 hours, period. <laughs> you can manage your behavior, but you can't manage time. Right. And if you were here that Sunday, I had this, this cool little cross that, that Justin made me. And, and what we did is we put that in... In the, in the jar first, and then we put in the, the big chunks that represented the big stuff in our life. Your family, your church, your job, your career, the big things. And then we put in some small, smaller stones, some things that, that might reflect some important things, but not quite as important as the big chunks. And then the, the filler stuff, the stuff that might not be important at all, but stuff that consumes part of our time and energy. And everything fit in perfectly. And then I pulled that cross out, and we tried to put it all back in. And if you were here, it just spilled over the top of, of that jar. And we, we learned that day that my life makes sense when Jesus is in the center. Yes. So Christ is not going to be relegated to your priority list. It's not something you can check off every day. Now you can check your devotion off your priority list. You can check your Bible reading off your priority list. But the only way our lives are going to work individually, and the only way this church is going to go forward corporately, is when Christ is the center of everything on our list. In other words, I love my family as an extension of my devotion to Christ. I pastor this church as an extension of my devotion to Christ. You work your job as an extension of your devotion to Christ. You live your life 
every part of your life as an extension of our devotion to Christ. And if he's not central, it just doesn't work. Some of you tried to stay free from addiction apart from Christ. How'd that work out for you? It didn't. That was either Trent or my granddaughter. Just saying it came from that direction. It could be either one. Colossians chapter 1 says it this way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. And here's the part I need you to grasp. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Why is my life falling apart? He is central, and he is the substance that will hold your life and this church together. I, I used the phrase of a couple of years ago that our church was gospel-centric. And, I, and while the gospel is, is very important to who we are as a church and must be, clearly, I, I like the word Christocentric. Christ is central to everything we do. And Dwayne, that, that sounds so simplistic and so foundational. Here's what I want you to know. I, I don't care. I want to publicly declare at the beginning of this year that there is nothing that we do that wasn't created by him and created for him. When we, Tracy was up here, when we hand out dog food and clothes, we're not doing it because we're good people. We're not doing it so you can clean out your closets. We're doing it because we're going to be the extension of Christ in this community. Amen. We're going to be his hands and feet. Yes. He's going to be central to everything that we do. All things have been created through him and for him. In other words, if I'm doing it for me, it's a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If you're doing it for you, if you're serving the church so you can be the rock star that month or that week, that's why you're doing it. Stop. Let's do it all because it was created for him. This church is not about Dwayne and Donna. This church is created for him and to make him famous and to bring him glory and to lift high the name of Jesus. So before we talk about connect and grow and serve over the next three weeks, let's just start at this baseline. It is all for Jesus. Yeah. It is all about him. And if anyone it's glory, and if anyone receives praise and honor, it won't be who's on this stage. It won't be who, who it'll be Jesus and him glorified and crucified. Yes. So Christ must be central. The second thing I want you to, to write down, and again, you, you're probably going to think that this is, this is foundational and simple. And that is this, that the presence and glory of God must be our pursuit. In fact, that's, that's my word for the year, is pursuit. 
I gave my heart to Christ at 14 years old. Um, people say, I found Jesus, and I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. Um, I was the one that was lost. And, and that started a now 38-year is that right? Yeah. yeah. I'm 53. 39 years. Okay, I just had an insure moment just for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, was, uh, I was in the bank this week, and uh, this, one of the tellers were celebrating her 50th birthday, and they had this big 5-0 behind her. And I was in line behind a lady that was at least 80. And she looked at me and she goes, she just don't understand. <laughs> I got you. I got you. You know, churches pursue a lot of different things. We pursue uh, numerical growth. And, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. We, we want to take as many people to heaven as we can. I'd love to see this building filled up twice every Sunday. I, I, I really would. Uh, in fact, I don't, I don't like throwing numbers out. But, you know, we talk about building a new building. Let's fill this one up twice. Let's force God to do something. All right? That's not in today's notes. I'm just telling you that. Let's force God to do something. Um, we pursue financial growth. And that's not necessarily um, altruistic. That's just, we, you know, it, we live in the world. It takes money to do things. It takes money to, to fund ministries. It takes money to do what we do. You know, it takes money. And so we, we pursue financial growth. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We do the same thing. We, we want to see Resources so we can better serve our community, better serve this church. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just telling you it can't be our primary concern. It can't be our motivation factor. It can't be the thing that we rise and fall and we, we pin our success on, on, on a number. Here's what, here, here's what I, I'm just, I'm struggling because if, if I say it the way God told me, it sounds like I'm being critical of other churches and you guys know me. I don't do that. We're on the same team. Our competition isn't the church down the street. Our competition is hell. So I, I know my heart when I get ready to say, because I, I don't know how else to say it, but just to say how God showed me. I told you a, half of a story. I told you a story about me starting in my, my mind, my mind drone. And I started in Walnut Grove at that red light. And I traveled down 81 and I started count, counting churches. Just from 81 in Walnut Grove to Kroger in Loganville. What is that, three miles? And I counted churches that were less than a mile off of, those, off of that road. And I stopped at 11 churches. There are a lot of churches in our community. And a lot of great churches. A lot of churches that, that look kind of like us. And a lot of churches that look nothing like us. On that journey, I, I said, God, you show me what sets us apart. How are we different?
And here's what I heard him say. You're going to go on a pursuit for my glory and my presence and nobody else will. I'm interested in that. I want that. I want the presence and power of God. Moving in our homes, in our church, in our families. Like this, like it never has. And listen, you guys have been part of, of, of unique moments in this building and in, at Covenant Christian Academy. Here's what I'm hungry for. I'm hungry for people to walk in this building who are broken and hurting and desperate. And not because they hear a sermon, not because they hear a great song, but the presence and glory of the Lord is so evident that they're drawn to the cross of Christ. That doesn't just happen, y'all. That happens when churches and individuals go on a pursuit for God's presence and power in their own lives. And then we gather together in this building. Mikey, a couple weeks ago, quoted A.W. Tozer, and I'm going to do it again. This is a book called The Pursuit of God. And if you've never read A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God, you ought to. It's, uh, you, you ought to. I don't know how else to say that. He said, God is so vastly wonderful, so utterly and completely delightful that he can, without anything other than himself, meet and overflow the deepest demands of our total nature, mysterious and deep as that nature is. In other words, God is enough. His presence and power is enough. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do all we can do to, to reach our community and preach relevant messages and sing relevant songs. We will do all of that, and we will do it all with a spirit of excellence, and we'll do the best that we can to be the best that we can. But ultimately, if lives are changed and families are restored, it won't be because we're good. It'll be because God is very good. And what we're going to do as a church is to pursue his presence and power as we never have. Thank you. And I understand something. That starts with Dwayne. I'm so hungry for him. I'm so hungry to see people walk in that door who are broken and undone. On Jesus. I'm so hungry to see families who are, who, who are at, at the verge of destruction find restoration and hope in the cross of Christ. And that only happens when his presence and power and glory are revealed. I'm going to throw three, I'm gonna throw three uh, theological words at you. Our pursuit, first of all, is not ecclesiological. In other words, the e ecclesiology is the study of church. It's, it's our pursuit in how we do our church. What, what our denomination is, what our statement of faith is, all those things are important, but that's not our pursuit. Our style, it's important, but it's not our pursuit. 
all the, the things that we do that make us unique, all those things are important, but it's not our pursuit. It's not soteriological. Soteriology is the study of how people become saved. Listen, our, our outreach is important. And this is going to blow some of you away. That's not our primary pursuit. Our primary pursuit isn't reaching our community. Our primary pursuit isn't you becoming more like Jesus. It's an important pursuit. It is not our primary pursuit. Our primary pursuit must always be doxological. Doxology are those things that bring praise and honor and glory to God. What our job at this church is, it, if we do outreach, it's not to make so we can feel good about what we do. It's to bring praise and honor and glory to God. If people get saved, it's not because we're good and we sing good and we preach good. It's because God is good. And his presence and his anointing has, has taken up shop in this place. We will do what we do for one purpose, to bring honor and praise and glory to our creator yes. and to the savior of our souls. That's why we exist. That being said, if, if the presence and glory of God is our pursuit, making disciples, you can write this down, making disciples is our priority. Jesus said these words as he's, as he's ending his time on earth. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I was, uh, anybody ever go on YouTube rabbit trails? Just me. No, okay. YouTube rabbit trails. Well, I, a, a lot of my YouTube rabbit trails involve church stuff because that's, that's what I do. And I, and I, I stumbled across this, uh, this conversation where six very well-known pastors were in a room together. Now, these, these pastors are from both sides of the theological spectrum and don't agree on a lot of things. And, and they were in a room together, and they were asking difficult questions and having debate about theological questions. And one of the questions was, should our churches be places where people who are unsaved come in and find Christ? Or should they be places where Christians gather to be equipped to go out into the world as witnesses for Christ. And there was this conversation between these two opposing pastors that, that said, no, 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 no. What I want is I want for there to be unsaved people in the, in the room every Sunday so I can share the gospel with them. And the other pastor said, nope, nope, nope. That's not how it's supposed to work. I want my people to come and gather in, into the room so they can be equipped and they can grow more like Christ so they can go out into the world and be witnesses for Christ. And I said, why is it either or? Why shouldn't it be both and? 
See, I, I believe ultimately our goal is not to just check off converts on a connection card. Those are, that's important. But Jesus didn't tell us to go into the world and make converts, did he? He told us to go into the world and make disciples. That's why that middle word is so important to us. Connect, grow, serve. I want us. To, in, in fact, I'm not, I'm not going to do this because it, those of you that open a bulletin see our mission statement every Sunday. And I, I've done a poor job at teaching that because probably nobody in this room without looking at it could quote it. See, our mission statement says that we exist to build a community of hundreds of fully committed followers of Christ in this community and beyond. See, I, I, I'm 53. And I, I know that, um, you know, if, if I got, maybe I got 20, 25 years left to proclaim the gospel. I don't know. I don't want to leave statistics. I want to leave disciples. What I want for you this year is to be more like Jesus at the end of this year than you are today. And wherever you are on that spectrum, you might want to write this down. In 2020, I'm going to throw a word at some of you grew up here in In 2020, the anointing will make the difference. Do you know the origination of that word? I don't know. Maybe you do. The the word anointing really, um, in the Old Testament, in in its most basic sense, the word anointing was what a shepherd did to his sheep. What a shepherd did to his sheep was to pour oil over its head because these little Wool lice would get embedded into their skin. If they ever got as far as the, as the sheep's ear, they would burrow their way into the sheep's ear and it would die. So as a way to save the sheep's life, the, the shepherd would pour oil over the sheep's head and the, the lice would burrow up toward the, the, the head of the sheep. And when they got to the oil, they would simply just fall off. And over a period of time, that word anointing came to mean uh, what, what a priest might do uh, to a king. He would anoint his head with oil and and set him apart for service. And what we've taken it to mean 2,000 years later is how we feel about what's happening in a church service. And I'm going to tell you that's not what the word means. See, if you walk out of this building and use that word anointed to describe our church service and do nothing with it, then it's not. If if all you do with a church service is feel good and the hair stands on the back of your neck, if all you do with a church service is feel excited about it and do nothing with it, it is not anointing, it is entertainment. What anointing genuinely is, it's the, the best description would be what, what allows a creation to do that thing for which it was created. In other words, if a wind fills the sails of a vessel and it propels it towards its destination, that's a great analogy for anointing. 
I believe that God has anointed this place, this church. I believe that he set us here for a very powerful reason. Because I've asked myself this question. See, Jesus, uh, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And if God was with him, then God is with us because Christ lives in us. And if God anointed Jesus to go about doing good and healing those who are oppressed of the enemy, then he has anointed us to do that because Christ lives in us and he is central to everything we do. So I said, Lord, why are we still here? I don't know if you know this, but there's, there's churches opening and closing all over the country. A church will close and another one will open. Two will close, three will open. Three will close, two will open. Those of you that have been here a while will know that just in our history, there have been three, maybe four churches that have planted around us and life pointers left to go, plant, to, to go help those churches. And all of them are now closed. And so, God, why, why are we still here? Why are we still here? And then I ask this question. Why am I still here? Why am I still here? You know, it's not because, you know, I I got no place else to go. My phone does ring from time to time. And I'm going to tell you, when it rings... I have a standard answer. No, I'm not done. Some of you may think that I'm going to school so I can get a better job. I need you to hear this. I'm not, I'm not going to school so I can get a better job. I'm, I got my dream job. I'm doing exactly what I feel like God's called me to do. I'm here on mission. I want to see this county, this community, this city, this church turned upside down for the glory of God. I'm not done here. Why are we still here? Why am I still here? Why are you still here? You know what? You don't have to drive very far to hear better music and better preaching. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't say that. (laughs) Take that back. Scratch that off the video. This is as good as it gets right here. Why are you still here? (laughs) This won't come as a great surprise to y'all. I have this little man crush on Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) That's awkward. It's just true. And and I I have this great admiration, not for his flowery language, because he's a teacher. He has a unique way of doing it, but he's, he's got this master class that you can join, and he'll, he'll teach you how to, how to make scrambled eggs like Gordon Ramsay makes scrambled eggs, how to make beef wellington like Gordon Ramsay makes beef and I want to do that. I just don't have $90 to buy a filet. <laughs> and I want you to know, I, I'm here, and I, 
I've often said these words that it's, it's not my job to feed you. But here's what my job is, is to teach you how to feed yourself. Just like I've never had Gordon Ramsay's scrambled eggs, but I want to make them just like he does. You know how I'm going to do that? It's to learn how he, I want to go on a pursuit of Christ so hard personally, it makes you want to follow. I want, to, I want to dive so hard into this scripture that when I open it up on Sundays, it makes you want to go home on Monday and open it up for yourself. Yeah. So why are we still here? I went, I, I legitimately asked God those questions. Why? And he took me to the story of Esther. You know the story of Esther, it's a beautiful story. A Jewish queen took a stand in front of the king that could have cost her her life. And here's what was spoken over her. At, just before she walks up to the king, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews for another place. In other words, Dwayne, if you don't do it, somebody, somebody will. But you and your father's house will perish. And listen to what God said to Esther and what I believe he is saying prophetically over us. And who knows whether you have not come to this kingdom, to this place, for such a time as this. I'm going to tell you why Life Point's still here. And I'm going to tell you why Dwayne's still here. And I'm going to tell you why you're still here for 2020. What if I told you that 100 families, if, if we'll go on this pursuit together, if we'll go on this pursuit for the presence and power and glory of God, if we'll go on this pursuit to not just see and experience the glory of God, but to reflect it and share it, what if I told you that 100 families would be restored in 2020? Would you, be, would you sign on for it? What if I told you 10 would? What if I told you one? Would it be worth it? Would it be worth it for us to go on a pursuit of the presence and power of God if one family, if one child across the way, if one teenager on Wednesday nights finds and fulfills his God-given purpose because you and I go on a, on a pursuit for the power and passion and presence and glory of God like we never have, and one person is transformed eternally, is it worth it? I say yes. And what if all of the stuff we've walked through all of the, the, the high heights and the low lows over the last 12 years has been to bring us to this point right now. Well, don't we need a building? Maybe. But I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to apologize for this. Man, I, I'd love to have a cool new building. Here's some, you, you can tweet this if you want to or whatever. LifePoint is much more concerned with names than it is with addresses. We're about people. <laughs> All right, so here's, here, here we go. We gotta, we, we gotta go through these, these next few things, a couple, uh, in, in, a, in a little bit of a hurry. I don't wanna, I don't wanna hurry it too much though. So in 2020, I'm gonna talk to you about four things that I'm gonna do, and, and I'm gonna ask you to join with me. The first thing is I'm going to get uncomfortable. I want God to stretch me beyond where I am. 
That's why I, I, I chuckled when Tracy said, God is stretching me. I'm like, we're going to talk about that in a minute. I want God to stretch me to go beyond where I am spiritually, to go where I am as a pastor, to stretch my, I want to be a better pastor this year than I was last year. I want to be a better preacher than I was last year. I want to be a better, I want to be better. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I allow God to stretch me and teach me and help me to grow. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. And I'm willing to go there this year. Are you going to go with me? Three of us. I'm going to go there this year. Are you willing to go with me? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm going to get uncomfortable. Number two, I'll offer God my best me ever. So you're saying, Dwayne, I got to, you know, I got to straighten up my act a little bit. I got to, you know, I got to be more organized and more disciplined and I got to try harder. How many know the kingdom of God sometimes is just upside down? You see, Jesus... Uh, there's this beautiful story in John chapter 3 where, um, you know, John was a famous, John the Baptist was a famous preacher before Jesus showed up, right? You know, maybe you know that, maybe you don't. He was famous. People were coming out and listening to him, and he was radical, and he had funny diet and funny clothes, and, and he probably wore skinny jeans. I don't know. He was just, he, he was just different. People are coming out and listening to him. Well, Jesus showed up. John baptizes him. And now all those people that were coming to listen to John are doing what? They're going to listen to Jesus. And, and, and John's disciples was like, hey, what's going on? You know, we're, they're going over to the other church. And, and John said these words. He said, he must increase. I must decrease. The only way I'm going to offer God a better me is when Dwayne starts to disappear. It's when... He increases and I decrease. And that's my challenge for Dwayne this year. Is I want more of Jesus, less of me in my life. Anybody want to go there with me? Yes, amen. Again, two or three of us. I'm going to get uncomfortable. I'm going to offer God the best me ever. Number three, I'll make Christ central. We've already talked about that. That doesn't mean, okay, I'm, I'm going to check off my devotion on my to-do list. That means every part of my life is going to be an extension of my walk with Christ. And number, number four, I'm going to pursue God's presence both corporately and privately. In other words, when I come in this building, I'm going to come here not just to see you. I love to go around this room on Sunday morning right before church starts and wave and say hello and fist bump you and talk about the Bulldogs. And do all that. I love doing that, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to magnify and lift high the glory of the Lord. And I want you to come in this building with the same purpose. But listen, and, and this is probably a whole other sermon, but what you do corporately is an extension of who you are privately or it's not real. Amen. What, how you worship God in this building should be an extension of how you worship God in your home, in your car, in your closet. Our ushers are getting ready to serve us communion this morning. And I, I went back and forth a little bit with how to end this service. And, and I think I, I just want to do it this way. I hope these ramblings over these last 40 minutes 
have, have landed. I hope you understand that what, what I want to see above any other external indication of, uh, of what's happening in our church, the most important thing, and we're going to talk about some of those over the next few weeks. We're going to talk about church growth because it's important. And we're going to talk about where we, you know, what things may look like beyond this room. But before we talk about any of that, I wanted you to understand that the, the primary pursuit is not a, another building and it's not more people. And it's not the primary pursuit is for us to go on a pursuit. Wow. Amen. Our primary pursuit is to passionately pursue Jesus in his presence and power. Yes. Am I still on? I can think of no better way to do that than to share in the Lord's Supper. But I want to pray for you before they serve you. And I want this to be for you a, a, a different kind of year. For our church, I want it to be a different kind of year. I want us to see growth and I want us to see resources and I want to see all those things. But above all that, I want the anointing and power and presence and glory of God to be manifest in this room and in that room and in those rooms and in our homes. And please tell me I'm not the only one that's feeling this. And I, I'm, I'm legitimately hungry to see a move of God. Lord, I love you and I thank you for who you are. God, we want to pursue you this year as never before. So, God, I, I pray for, for, for every member. God, that you'll just, as, as our video said, as we draw close to you, that you'll draw close to us.